Hey everyone, welcome to the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I'm Florence Brummer. I've lived in Phoenix since 1999. Before that, I lived in Chicago and was born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a mother, grandmother, wife, movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, restaurant lover, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. Besides all this, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for over 20 years. Throughout my practice, I struggle day by day to find balance between work and life. I don't have a magic answer on how to balance life in the law and life outside the law, but over the years, I've developed tips for living my best life and enjoying work and time off. As a lawyer, it feels I'm never entirely off the clock. I never step away from thinking about my cases and my clients, but I do my best to enjoy work and time off. Please join me on this journey in finding grace and contentment in the practice of law. Today's topic actually occurred to me as I was taking my morning walk. I'm actually recording this on Saturday. For the last several weeks, I've been recording on Sunday night because I've just run out of time during the weekend, but this week's topic fell into my lap as I fell to the ground today. So as I've talked about on the podcast, I take a long walk every Saturday, uh, generally about five miles. It takes me two hours. In the middle of it, I stop and have coffee. This walk is a lifeline for me every week. I always look at it as sort of a kind of a beginning and an, and an end. It's the it's a transition period for me. It's the end of the last week. It's where I put everything behind and I feel like I'm starting over. So in a way, Saturday morning is my marker in the sand for for when the week ends and starts for me. I know Monday is probably the more logical one, but I have this mindset centered around this walk, and that's when I just kind of start over and refresh. And as I said in the past, my walk is basically non-negotiable, where I always make sure I do it. And my family knows when it is Sunday, sometime between 4.30 in the morning and 8 o'clock in the morning, depending on the time of year, I'm going to be walking on Saturday. Unless, of course, you know, I'm at a wedding or I'm out of town or, or something like that. Um, then I can't do it. But for the most part, when I'm home, I'm getting up and I'm doing this. So my topic came to me as I fell on my walk today. And the topic I'm going to talk about today is getting back up after you fall. And I'm using that as a metaphor for making mistakes. I have, uh, you, you can't be a lawyer, you can't be a business owner, you can't work in any profession without making some sort of mistake. You, it, as a um, parent or a child, you can't help making a mistake. You're going to make some sort of mistake. And not only do you make mistakes, if you're like me, you have a fear of messing up. And I wake up in the middle of the night and think uh, something like, hey, I really should do this on a case. And I'll send myself a, a text. Um, I'll, 
I'll, I'll do a text to my email at the office. So whatever my thought is, is waiting for me in the morning. And that waking up in the middle of the night and having those thoughts and sending myself these texts, that's also the fear of messing up. So what do you do after a failure? I'll tell you how I fell today. <laughs> uh, I take this walk. There's this path that I pretty much always take. I think it's a beautiful path. It makes me very happy to walk it. And it's mostly on paths, but there's this one little area where I walk down a little incline that's just rocks. And the reason why I do that is it brings me to another path um, that you can't really get to otherwise. So I was doing that and I was going down this little incline and the rocks just wrote rotated under my feet they just rolled like they were balls under my feet like marbles and I fell to my butt and fell on my butt fell on my hands and I just sat there um, just sort of feeling to make sure that everything was okay I was fine like it was fine you know it's never pleasant to fall but it wasn't I wasn't bleeding I didn't break a bone I I don't have any sprains. I have the feeling that tomorrow I might wake up a little sore like in my neck and back, but definitely could have been worse. But it led me to this topic. So when you fall or when you fail, what do you do after that? Number one, don't make any big decisions. If you have something that you're trying to recover from, it's not the time to decide to take a giant trip or sell your house or buy a new car or change jobs. Think about it. Don't make any big decisions. It's not time yet. Also remember that any mistake is a step in your journey. And if you have time, do something where you can reflect on it. And it might be taking time off. It might be a half day, a day, a week, a month. Depending on what it is, you might take a year off. But you take some time off, get away from it, and think about the next step. Also take one day at a time. I have a very, very hard time with taking one day at a time. I wake up in the morning and I know what my day looks like. And it's a very busy day. And I'm thinking about that day. And the next thing I know, I'm thinking about the next day. And I'm thinking about the next week. And the next two weeks. And the next month. The next six months. The next year. Take it one day at a time. You have to get through that day before you can get on to the next step. Obviously, we can't just look at our days in a bubble like, well, I'll just look at this day and, and I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. I understand like that's not um, reasonable. You always have to have your eyes ahead. But get through the day that you're in before you really, really start to ruminate about the next day and the next week. Find a book about people who have made mistakes. One of my favorite books about people who've made mistakes is the Bible. 
The Bible is all stories about people who have made mistakes and have come back from it. Biographies are very good. Many years ago, I read Jane 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 Fonda's autobiography, and she has had an amazing life, and I loved her voice as an author, but she's made a lot of mistakes and things that she's not proud of, marriages that didn't work out, relationships with family members, and to read what someone else is going through can really, really be eye-opening. I also love to read about the Kennedys. I know I've talked about this in prior podcasts. This is a family that's considered almost like America's royalty. This is a family that has a ton of tragedy and a ton of mistakes in it. So reading about these things, I mean, the purpose is not to read it and feel depressed, (laughs) but to read it and realize mistakes happen, people make mistakes, and you're able to move on from it and, and continue, and life does go on. That Which brings me to my next point, which is think positive. It, me first on the think positive. I am someone who can tend to go very, very negative very, very quickly. Uh, I might be dealing with um, a situation that's happened and then it turns into a catastrophe in my head because I've piled onto it. And sometimes I'm piling onto it things that haven't even happened or things that would be very unlikely to happen, but there's a small possibility of it and I'm piling it on. So I need to tell myself, think positive. Another thing that's important to do is say, what's the lesson in this? From our failures and from our mistakes, we can learn lessons. I'm going to go back to my little slip today where I fell. The lesson is, I really, really need to be careful when I go down this incline. It's all loose rock. I don't know what I was thinking. And in fact, I don't think I was thinking about the walk at all. I was concentrated. I was listening to a podcast. I was also thinking about all this work that I have. And I've had a, I I feel like I'm a broken record. And hopefully um, you as the listeners aren't too weary of me saying this. But I had a stinking hard week. And every week when I think, how could this week be any busier than the last week? The week gets busier. So since my last podcast, um, I worked all last weekend. I had to work late Friday. I worked on Saturday. I worked on Sunday. Monday, I had two hearings. Um, One was very far from my house and during rush hour traffic. I also had meetings. I had meetings most of the day on Tuesday. I had uh, meetings on Wednesday, including a meeting that I had to travel to. On Thursday, I had a trial that lasted most of the day and ended at the end of the day during rush hour traffic when I was in Mesa. 
And then Friday morning, I had meetings. And then I took a I took a two hour break. And well, actually, probably more like three. I went and had lunch with my daughter and my sister in law. And we went and saw the Invisible Man, which I will give a review of before the end of the episode. And then when I got back to the office, I had so many phone calls from just being gone for a couple of hours. Plus, my associate attorney, who I rely on quite a bit, is on vacation for the next week and a half. It's a well-deserved vacation. She's going to have a great time, but it's hard for me. And I ended up working very, very late. And then I came home, and um, my grandson was over, and I got to play with him, and that was really the best way to unwind. And he um, went to bed. His mom was working late, so he went to bed at my house. And I laid in a prone position on the couch, just staring and dozing. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, asked me if I wanted to go to Kohl's with her. I'm like, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. And throughout this whole week, I've just been thinking about all this work. And I have post-its everywhere. I worked till 10 p.m. on Thursday, had to get up early on Friday. Just, it's been crazy. And I have all this work and I have all these little post-its. I have a combination of work where I have some very giant projects. And then I have a lot of um, smaller projects that require attention right away. So all these post-its are everywhere. And which is getting me to my point, (laughs) which is that when I was taking my walk, I was half still in my workday. I wasn't thinking about my walk. I wasn't even 100% concentrating on the podcast I was listening to. I was still ruminating about the week. And so what was my lesson from that? I got to watch where I'm walking or I'm going to be falling. And that's what happened. Another thing with a mistake or a setback is, is there a blessing in that? There have been times in my life where something has not gone the way I wanted. Um, Maybe I didn't get a case that I thought I was going to get. Or I got a ruling in the case at the time that I thought was negative. But in these situations, there later was revealed to be a blessing. Whereas maybe another client came along that was a really, really good fit for my firm. Or maybe the ruling that I thought was negative in a case had a positive effect on the remainder of the case. And so trying to find a blessing is very important. I know it won't always work out that way, but if you can find something in there, you can. Um, Another thing is don't beat yourself up about it. What's done is done. You cannot just keep thinking about it over and over again and giving yourself blame. And then lastly, remember, there's no success without failure. I'm going to share something um, that's been also weighing heavily on my heart this week. A friend of the family passed away. 
He was around 40 years old. He has a two-year-old. And he was the type of guy who always had a smile on his face. He worked at a couple of the local restaurants in town. He was just happy to be there. And he unexpectedly had a heart attack about a week ago, went into a coma, and then tragically died about a week later. What good, when I think about that, like kind of the sudden death um, and those life-altering experiences, obviously, if it's you passing away, that's it. And if it's a family member passing away, that's it. And then what do these mistakes or setbacks in your career really matter? So I said it before, I'll say it again. Enjoy your life, enjoy your family, enjoy your free time, travel, enjoy, relax. All right. I'm going to, also before I sign off regarding this topic, um, there is a quote in the Bible that I'm paraphrasing, and it basically is, in this life there will be trouble. So in all of our lives, there's going to be hardship. But think positive, move forward, and it'll all be okay. As you can tell, I'm talking to myself about this as well. It's been a hard week on a number of levels. And I'm just kind of excited to move past it all. And, and hopefully not slide down a hill of rocks anymore as well. Okay, um, this is going to be kind of a short podcast, I think, because I'm tired and am having a very busy weekend. I have a charity event tonight and then a bit of a date afternoon with my husband tomorrow. We're actually going to go see a son's game together, use my son's season tickets since I've barely used them. This season, I've been selling a bunch and giving a bunch away because I haven't had any time, but I'm actually going to go to a game tomorrow. But before I sign off, I want to give some reviews for some movies I've seen in the last week. It's a combination of seeing a movie at the theater, seeing a movie on Netflix, and um, getting a couple movies on DVD from the library. So yesterday afternoon, I took a break and went and saw The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. This is a movie I've been very excited for. It's a Blumhouse movie, which are generally very good. They're like on the lower budget side, but but a ton of different horror movies. They're just really done well, and that production company does them well. So Elizabeth, and you can tell this from the previews, but Elizabeth Moss is in a relationship and it appears to be an abusive relationship. She gets away and the man that she was in the relationship with commits suicide and then apparently, um, apparently is coming back and is haunting her in some way. Um, he's invisible to her, hence the title Invisible Man. 
And she is the only one who seems to be getting affected by him. This movie is so much fun. I loved Elizabeth Moss in it. She had no vanity. (laughs) She let herself go to a level of just looking like she was crazy. And I don't want to spoil it because I, I feel there's like kind of a lot of twists and turns that are very fun. But in this movie, there is things happening to her. And she is telling people, my ex-boyfriend has come back and he's invisible. And you know that if you hear anyone say this, you're going to think they're crazy. So of course, everyone believes her to be crazy. And there is a little bit of a, a... of whether she's an unreliable narrator or not. And I'll just leave it as that because I I think there is too many twists and turns and I don't want to ruin it. The preview tells you a lot, but there's also a big portion of the end which isn't covered by the preview, which I always appreciate. I always hate when you watch a preview and you feel like you have seen the entire movie. And in this, um, the preview was very well done. So you're seeing like the bits and pieces of what is going on with her, but how it resolves, you don't really have a clue at all. Really, really, really enjoyed this movie and uh, I would recommend it highly. A movie I would not recommend is the 1980s movie Candyman. I sort of had fond memories of this movie when I think of the 1980s horror movies that were semi-enjoyable, Candyman was always in the list. Like I would think Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Pinhead, and Candyman was always part of it as well. When I went and saw Invisible Man, there was a preview for the new Candyman, the rebooting it. It looks pretty good. So I'm excited about it. And I thought, well, in the meantime, to tide myself over, why not watch the old Candyman? I probably have not seen it since the 80s. It might have been early 90s when it came out. Whenever it came out, I probably haven't seen it since then. This movie was ridiculous. It did not age well. I'm not really sure what they were trying to do with it. I'm not sure if Candyman is supposed to be sympathetic or a little sexy or is he supposed to be terrible I can't tell the um main lead in the character is played by Virginia Madsen who was very good in it like she she was good but there was just plot twists that didn't make any sense no one no one dealt in a way that made any sense and I understand it's a horror movie, so you have to suspend your disbelief. But I generally like people to act in a method which just rings true and appears realistic, even in a supernatural setting. And it was just a very weird movie. It's on Netflix. It's an hour and a half. It's pretty campy. So if you want to laugh, it's it's actually pretty funny. I was watching it by myself, and my daughter 
and sister-in-law came back from Kohl's and they sat down and we couldn't stop watching it. And we were just laughing and laughing. It was a very funny, it was filmed in Chicago and that's where I'm from. So I liked um, seeing Chicago, but it was a weird movie. Two movies that I highly recommend, which are available on uh, streaming, although um, you have to pay for them. So if it's Amazon Prime or um, iTunes, you still have to pay for them. Or if you're like me, you can check them out for free from the library. And the two movies are Dr. Sleep and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. These are movies that I've previously reviewed and gave recommendations for in the past. If you did not catch them, please catch them. They're they're really good. They're worth a watch. They're excellent. They're more than worth a watch. Dr. Sleep, of course, is the sequel to The Shining. And Ewan McGregor plays the grown-up Danny Torrance. There is such a delicate dance in this movie between the book The Shining, the movie The Shining, and the movie The Shining has a lot of differences in the book but the movie has taken on a life of its own of course where probably people are more familiar with the movie than the book and then there's the book Dr. Sleep which this movie is based on and how do you um, assemble it all in a way that makes everybody really happy and the makers of this movie did that I loved the throwbacks to the movie. I loved the little Easter eggs to the book. Um, I love that they stayed basically on track with the story of Dr. Sleep. It was good. Um, if you've seen The Shining, if you love The Shining, this I th- find to be a very, very satisfying sequel. If you haven't seen The Shining, maybe it won't make a whole lot of sense to you. But if you have seen The Shining, it's a must-see. They do not use the stand when they do flashbacks to the Overlook Hotel. They do not use the Stanley Kubrick movie, The Shining. They recreate any of those. At first, I was a little bit thrown because they they use different actors, and I was good with everyone, but Jack Nicholson was, of course, different, and I had um. I mean, Jack Nicholson in The Shining, like it, there's no more iconic role than that. But um, I wondered if they could have brought him in. Like, I was wondering if you had listened to um, The Film Vault, the podcast that I was on last week, we actually talked about Dr. Sleep. And I said, wasn't there a way that they could have brought in Jack Nicholson and digitally remastered his face? And Um, The host of the show said they had heard that he was ill, so that probably couldn't have been a possibility at all. And I watched, when I first saw it on the big screen, I was very thrown because you're not seeing Jack Nicholson as um, Jack Torrance. You're seeing a different actor. So when I first saw it, I was pretty bummed out. But on the second viewing, it was good. You know, it just was my surprise and maybe like a little bit of disappointment. And I had this anticipation that he was going to somehow appear, and and he didn't. It was a different actor. On the second viewing, I realized who the actor was. It was um, Henry Thomas, who played, 
I'm hoping I have the last name right, but the first name for sure is right. Who played Elliot in E.T. and recently played the younger version of the dad in The Haunting of Hill House. And he was very good as Jack Torrance. And I had a greater appreciation for the movie the second time around. And I watched it my oldest daughter watched it the first time and I got to see her watching it for the first time and enjoying it which also increased my enjoyment also if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or if you have seen it go back and watch it again this is classic Tarantino with the snappy dialogue the wonderful acting the cast is amazing it's Luke Perry's last big screen movie and I, I miss Luke Perry he he was my ultimate favorite I loved him so much on Beverly Hills 90210 I know how corny that sounds but um, he just seemed like a very sweet man and from everything I've seen and heard it sounds like he was a lovely man and, and passed away too soon um, and Brad Pitt's performance is amazing. He won an Oscar for it, of course, for Best Supporting Actor. Leonardo DiCaprio, who continues to amaze me because I think, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio sometimes gets pigeonholed as the kid from the Titanic. And when you think about his work since the Titanic, it's amazing. Like it's on the level of like a De Niro or a Pacino. Like his work is outstanding and he was great in it and um margot robbie as sharon tate was great it was very respectful to the people who were ultimately killed by the manson family sharon tate and her friends and i don't want to spoil it because it has like a bit of a surprise when the best way i can describe this movie is it's a fairy tale and um and a bit of a revenge fantasy, because it is Tarantino, you are going to have the ultraviolence and the revenge. And I thought it was done very, very well. And there's some lines in it that I think are so hysterical. Tarantino dialogue is just the greatest. Also, for me, this movie um, struck a chord because I could tell a lot was filmed at Universal Studios. And over the years, I've had annual passes and gone to Universal many times, and I could spot the different um, different sets that they used. So that, to me, was very fun. And um, the movie is a – I love old Hollywood. Like, I love – like, going to Hollywood now is just gross. Like, Hollywood Boulevard is gross. Like, I, I stay away from it at all costs. But I love – to see pictures of like old Hollywood and old Disneyland and the old hotels. And when I stayed at the Chateau Marmont um, last year, which is an old Hollywood hotel, I just felt like I was like soaking in that history. And this movie has that atmosphere, the 1960s Hollywood. So I really enjoyed it. So, okay, I'm going to sign off for now enjoy the rest of your weekend enjoy your next week you can find the bonafide legal podcast on soundcloud and itunes under florence legally brunette bonafide legal podcast you can find me on twitter tumblr and instagram under florence legally brunette 
You can find me on my personal Facebook page and my law, my law firm Facebook page, Law Office of Florence Brummer. You can find me on my website at brummerlaw.com. We're also law, launched on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week, and I look forward to speaking to you next week.